This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's off air with Julie Stewart Banks on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey guys, I'm Julie Stewart Banks, and you're listening to Off Air for Bet Rivers, the show that likes to find out more about who a person is when the mic isn't on. Today, I'm pleased to chat with award-winning chief investigative journalist for Inside Edition, author of Warrior: My Secrets to Being Brave, former sports broadcaster Lisa Guerrero. Lisa, thank you so much for joining us here today. We know that it has been a whirlwind couple of months since you launched your book, Warrior: My Secrets to Being Brave, which is such an brave really obviously is the the word account of your experiences in sports broadcasting and life i found it, it relatable in a lot of different ways how has the the last few months been for you hi julie first of all thank you for having me um wow so when i launched my book in january i was not expecting the amount of attention and the reviews and the ratings and you know, the way people have embraced the book, I was shocked because I thought, well, you know, I'm just, I'm writing about my experience. I hope that by writing about my experience, I can help other uh, broadcasters, young women um, and men that are potentially choosing a path to getting into media, journalism, entertainment, sports. And I thought, you know, a few people might be interested in this. And then all of a sudden, I'm like excerpted in Sports Illustrated and in People Magazine and on Christiane Amanpour's show on CNN. And uh, so I guess the interest really shocked me of, of the story itself. And then when I got over that initial, wow, people like the book, I realized that it was resonating with a lot of young women. And then you know, my feelings about it really shifted because I, I suddenly was very burdened with the thought that, oh my goodness, they are reading this book, you know, this <laughs> book that took 20 years of my life to write and they were pouring over it and getting back to me with specific passages that resonated with them and different incidences that I had that, that they have had similar experiences with. Mm -hmm. So, you know, now that it's been a few months and um, you know, the, the impact of it is certainly um, gratifying. I'm now seeing the business end of what has happened with the book. Um, I was optioned for uh, a TV series based on the book. Wow. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. And I'm doing keynote speeches about it. In fact, I'm going to be speaking at the Society of Professional Journalists. I'm the keynote speaker um, coming wow. up in a few weeks. And uh, and I'm starting to do youth speaking now because of the book, because a lot of kids, you know, this this notion of being a warrior and it's my path to being brave. But it is also kind of a pathway for other people to explore being more courageous in their lives. So the book has taken off. I wrote it for myself, you know, because I mm -hmm. needed to tell my story and, and in the hope that it would help others. But it has absolutely exploded into a place that I didn't think possible when I first wrote it. 
I mean, there's so many different stories you tell in this book. And I think it's, um, I mean, so courageous that you, and, and very relatable, but that you were able to kind of pull back the curtain on so much of the experiences that you've had that many people in their jobs would be afraid to talk about because the fear of repercussion, the fear of, oh, especially for women, um, you know, being completely erased from their jobs if they speak up about um, being sexually harassed or anything like that, being treated differently. Um, what was the process like of just really saying, I'm going to put it all out there completely? So um, I started journaling when I became a sportscaster in Los Angeles. I was the first woman ever offered a contract with CBS here. And I spent over a dozen years uh, covering the Dodgers, the Lakers, the Chargers, the Kings, you know, USC, UCLA. So um, local sports in Los Angeles. And then really quickly, I got promoted to regional sports and then national sports because there were very few women covering sports the way that I was, that looked like I did. Um, I think I'm the first national Latina um, to have worked for a lot of the, uh, the networks that I worked with too. So being a Latina, being a woman, having kind of a glamorous look, being unapologetically, you know, feminine looking, I, I wouldn't cut my hair. They told me to cut my hair back in the nineties and to wear a blue suit and don't wear makeup. And I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll look like <laughs> how I want to look, you know, I am who I am. Yeah. They also wanted me to change my last name. I'm Lisa Guerrero, Guerrero which is why my book is called Warrior, because Guerrero means warrior in Spanish. Um, mm. but, but one of my early uh, news directors said, nobody can pronounce Guerrero. So can you go back to your dad's last name, which is Coles? And I said, no. And I was also told by my first agent to change my name um, back to my dad's last name instead of you know my mother's last name, which is I, I changed my last name to my mother's last name to reflect right. my Latina heritage. And when a manager told me that um, and an agent, I simply fired them and hired a woman, a female agent who said, yes, you know, embrace who you are. And um, I'm really glad I made those early decisions. But my book really chronicles not just the good decisions I made like that early on, but some of the lousy decisions I made. A lot of people, Julie, write memoirs and they want to kind of sugarcoat it and filter it. And I didn't do that. My book, um, names names about things that happened to me and specific incidences. And I also take accountability for the part that I played in some of the criticism that that I had early on. And, um, you know, again, I wanted to be honest, the book is a hardcover book. So when it came out, you know, that's 28 bucks. I didn't want people to spend their hard earned money reading a press release. I wanted them to mm -hmm. really hear what happened to me. I wanted to be honest about my journey so that hopefully I could help other young women look for red flags early and not compromise and negotiate like I had to do when I was in my 20s. You know, I, I since then have forgiven myself for, for doing some of that. Um, but at the same time, I, I know that a lot of women are still in the same positions that I was back then, even though it's 2023. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know that you have your own stories. Other, other women that have covered sports have, we all have different stories, but I think there's a through line and a commonality that, that a lot of us have dealt with. And so I write about that really honestly in my book. 
I mean, it's it's incredible what you write about, and I and I think that it's um, inspiring because I I would want to write something like this someday, and I've uh, obviously not now because I would be worried. I'd say yeah. about talking about it, right? Because yeah. there's it's just that in the back of your mind, be and it's something that us as women have to deal with is just this. It's good people like you, and we had Laura Oakman on before, like just talking about experiences, making it um, like just opening up about what we're all kind of going through, but we don't really talk about in this industry. That's very much misogynist and, and, and all the harassment that we all still deal with to this day. And that obviously you dealt with so many years ago too, just that through line of different things. And you mentioned that, um, you wanted to give sort of younger women or people in broadcasting, like advice in a way you, it was the first time that you talked about it in 20 years. I believe you said, what inspired you to do it now? So actually, I was kind of outed <laughs> in a way. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. I had thought about writing a book for a long time. And the original title of my book was Between a Jock and a Hard Place. And it was a series of kind of funny essays about things that had happened to me in locker rooms and in my career on Monday Night Football or, or on Best Damn Sports Show, period. Um, or all of the the adventures I'd had interviewing Kobe and Alex Rodriguez and Shaq and all of the people, Barry Bonds. And um, along the way, as I was writing this and going through my notes and going through my old journals, I realized that what, what I experienced was a lot of trauma and it wasn't mm -hmm. funny. Not at, Some things were very funny, uh, but a lot of it wasn't. And I started to kind of reassess my experiences Around that time, I was contacted by a Andrew Marchand at the New York Post. So this was a couple years ago. And he was doing like a where are they now type of column um, <laughs> where, you know, he wanted to catch up with me. Whatever happened to Lisa Guerrero after Monday Night Football? And obviously, I've gone on to, you know, very public role as the chief investigative correspondent for Inside Edition. So millions of people every night see me. But, you know, he wanted to know what that transition was like. And when I was on the phone with him, you know, I had never talked about what happened to me on Monday Night Football publicly. My friends and family knew, but I had never told anybody what had happened to me really behind the scenes. And I, through the course of the interview, I got really choked up and I spilled the beans. I told him about a lot of the trauma that I had faced. Not all of it. I wasn't ready to share all of it yet, but I shared right. a lot of it with him. And the the outcome of that conversation was an article in the New York Post. It's behind me. It's called Ultimate Warrior, because my last name, of course, Guerrero, yeah. meaning warrior. And it was a two-page New York Post article about you know what had happened to me and the trauma and how I overcame it. So because of the article, I got a ton of opportunities to write my story and to write the oh, book okay. that, that I ended up writing, which is a, a true book, a real book, and where I kind of cut through the bullshit and I just laid it on the line and I said, this is what happened to me. And you can like it or not like it. You can like me or not like me. That is not, you know, I don't care about that anymore. I have, that ship has sailed. I don't care what people think about me anymore. What I care about though, is being the narrator of my own story, leaving my own legacy behind, embracing my own heritage and knowing that what I write in that book, every word of it was true and heartfelt and meaningful to me and hoping that it would be meaningful to you and other women. And so with that in mind, warrior, my last name became like a reality. I have become a warrior. 
um, in this place where I was very weak before and I was, you know, a victim in many ways of some traumatic things. I am no longer a victim. The book is not called Victim. It's called Warrior for a reason. When you you mentioned Monday Night Football and that reading it, um, you know, it it's very it's it's very detailed and it's 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 heartbreaking, really, to to hear what you went through. And I was I, I was telling my boyfriend like every single thing. I'm like, oh my gosh, then this happened to her. Then this happened to her. But as you said, you you have made this your narrative your own. Um, what has been the effect on you of just being able to sort of maybe release it out there and have that weight lifted off your shoulders of that particular experience being on Monday Night Football? So, you know, I, I think that it took a lot of guts for me to write that. Honestly, I'm going to pat myself on the back on that because and, yes. and all women need to be able to tell their stories because it's hard. You had mentioned before that, you know, it's hard to write a book while you're in the industry because you can piss people off, you can get sued, you know, people won't believe you, people can be critical, all of those things. Um, my book was carefully legally vetted by several mm. entities, right? By um, CBS. I was know, curious about that. Edition, yeah. CBS, I always think about the that. Publishers, <laughs> the publisher outside counsel, my own counsel. So, um, and I kept uh, very uh, specific notes and journals, as I said. And I also wrote with a collaborator, Irene Zutel, who did her own separate research for the book as well. So I was, I'm very buttoned up with my book. Wow. But I will tell you this. There's one thing that you are always told. Don't burn a bridge. Don't burn a bridge. Bullshit, if I may. You have bridges. You don't want to work for a company that is, you know, uh, a, a misogynistic company or a company that hurts women or has hurt other people. You don't want to work for a producer that is a notorious bigot or a racist or a misogynist or uh you know, assaults women or, or abuses women in any way. You know, you, you, you do not be afraid of burning a bridge. Do not be afraid of that. Because if you live in fear of that, you're going to have a mediocre life. You know, you will, you, people have to take a side. You have to choose a side. There's right and there's wrong. There's truth and there's lies. And I think that it's really important for all of us to, to be able to tell our stories. Now, part of my story on Monday Night Football um, had to do with uh, uh, an executive producer that I dealt with that I believe was very verbally abusive to me, yelled at me mm -hmm. and hurt me immensely. And um, what I did when I wrote that, though, is I, um, I included his version and his perspective in that chapter. Mm -hmm. So I didn't just say this happened to me without you know, without us as, you know, a, a group that published my book without, you know, also putting his version in there and, you know, his defense of himself in there, part of which was very public. So, um, you know, besides that part on Monday Night Football, you know, the things that happened to me, I write about a miscarriage that I had on the sidelines of Monday Night Football mm -hmm. because of the, um, the incredible anxiety I was feeling at the time, the depression, the trauma I was dealing with. Um, when that happened to me, um, and I decided to write about it, and at first I was scared to write about that. It was so graphic and so traumatic and so honestly shocking that I, I didn't include it at first. Then I put it in the book, then I took it out of the book. And finally I said, you know what? Nope, that was part of my journey. That is something that 
forged the warrior within me. And it was very sad and was very traumatic. But at the end of the day, I'm glad I included it because here's what happened, Julie. When it came out and when People Magazine wrote about it, Sports Illustrated included that in my excerpt um, that they published, I heard from hundreds of women who had experienced miscarriages at work and and they had never talked about it. A lot of them hadn't ever yeah. shared it with their closest friends and family. And so, you know, what I learned through my research and researching myself in the book was that one in four pregnancies ends in miscarriage. So it's not a shameful thing to have had a miscarriage, you know, and mm-hmm. it's it's something that women should be talking about. And in fact, I heard from seven or eight female sports reporters that had experienced similar things. It is very brave for you to have talked about that. And I shared that with my my group chat with some of my friends who aren't in sports broadcasting, but who have experienced, you know, similar things or similar loss that people don't really discuss. And of course, in the workplace. And um, I'm curious from your perspective, you've, you've been so open, you've seen other people react with your work, message you. Yeah. What is the... Um, how how is how has that been for you and your own mental health dealing kind of just with like the response of it all? Oh, God. it it has been so cathartic because when I wrote the book, I felt very lonely. It was very uh, difficult, and it wasn't like picking a scab. It was like taking a sledgehammer to a scar oh, and like ripping your arm open. It was like here's my life and here are all my secrets and here here is my trauma over and over again, several traumas. And I just put it on paper. So part of it was cathartic to put it on paper. But the best part of it, Julie, was having other people contact me and saying that happened to me too. Or I had a similar story. Here's what happened to me. Or this person also did that to me, not just women, men. So I all of a sudden I started you know, this is a very lonely thing to write a book. It's a very individual, uh, solitary thing to do. But at the end of the day, I feel like I'm surrounded by this army of people that have supported the book, have supported me, have shared their unbelievable stories with me and have trusted me to, uh, to kind of, um, you know, help them and mentor them. And so I've got a lot of young journalists that follow me now and that I hope to inspire in any small way. So I I don't feel lonely about it anymore. I feel like it's out there and um, it's been an awesome experience. Don't give up on your book, Julie, you know, continue to work on it. (laughs) You know, had I published my original book, I think eh, it would have been okay. You know, it would have been all right. But this book has impacted a lot more people. So sometimes timing is a thing. And if I had done this book earlier in my career, it might not have resonated the way that it does now. Definitely. I think that's, I mean, it's great that you've gotten the experiences of other people out of it and kind of, um, I don't know, just that, that it's like a warm hug in a way, like to feel like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm helping people with like my words and different things like that. Um, you have done so much in your life. It is incredible. First of all, congratulations. I know we're talking about sports broadcasting, but you have, I mean, you've lived like a thousand different lives. Um, people have seen your life so much in the public eye, whether it's on inside edition or whether it was obviously in sports or acting, but like, who are you and how would you describe yourself 
as Lisa Guerrero, who is not on TV as we see you. Yeah, I am. I'm a dork. You know, I, I sit, you know, I love to, you know, go into my art studio and break glass and make mosaic art. Um, I like to read books and go to movies and do dorky things, you know, like mess around on computers and, you know, argue about politics on Twitter or whatever. You know, I just, I think I'm just a normal person that was really blessed to have been in a position starting in the 80s where I was, you know, hired uh, to be on camera in a lot of very interesting capacities. You know, I was an NFL Mm -hmm. cheerleader turned cheerleader, director, and choreographer. So I was a performer. I had taken acting classes since my mom died at eight. My dad put me in theater therapy. So I was a trained actor in uh, both technique and method, which are two different types of acting techniques. So um, I became an actor early, um, which led me to being on, you know, TV shows and movies and meeting interesting people. You know, I was a model. And so I did campaigns all over the world as a fitness model and swimwear model. And um, I was on the cover Playboy at 40 as a Latina. And of course, one of my jobs right now is hosting Secrets of Playboy on A&E, which is won uh, Critics' Choice, uh, uh, so yeah, Critics' Choice Award last year in the crime and documentary uh, section. You you now are doing such incredible work, of course, with Inside Edition as a chief investigative correspondent. And these are some pretty heavy stories yeah. that you are, are telling and you're and you're diving into. Um, like, how do you how do you deal with going so deep into some of these different worlds and difficult paths as like a human? Mm -hmm. Well, that's a great question. And the reason I'm able to do it and the reason why I think I'm good at this is because I have empathy for victims and Mm -hmm. survivors of trauma because I too have survived trauma. They used to tell broadcasters and journalists, and I hope they don't do this anymore, but they used to tell journalists to, you know, to not get emotionally involved, you know, to stay in the middle of any topic you know, don't don't get too connected, you know, keep your emotions outside the door. Again, baloney. Um, I think what makes me a good reporter is my empathy. I always lead with empathy. Mm-hmm. And I think somebody sitting across from me can feel it coming through my eyes and through the camera. Um, and so all of those negative experiences that I have, have made me a better reporter because I understand negative experiences and being the target of them. So that's first and foremost. And then when people see me, what they think is brave, you know, chasing the bad guys and confronting scam artists or criminals out in the field, um, I, I do that on behalf of my victims right? Because they've trusted Mm. me to tell their stories. And that's what makes me brave. I'm not doing it out of audacity or out of theatrics. I'm writing somebody down to put them on the spot because they hurt somebody. And that person deserves answers. And that's why I do what I do. So investigative journalism has been, again, very cathartic for me. It's been an opportunity for me to help find justice for other people. And I think that this is what I was meant to do. I don't know if I'll do it forever. You know, it's very grueling. Mm-hmm. I travel over a hundred yeah. days a year. I've been hit by cars. People pulled guns on me. I get death threats and rape oh. threats all the time. So it's a very dangerous, grueling um, career path to be on. And I've done it since 2010. So when I'm in my 14th year now, going into my 14th season of as you know of, of doing investigative journalism. But I I hope to, you know, work on getting my TV show uh, developed and helping to write and produce that. 
I hope to, um, you know, host other shows and, and, and help other victims find their voices. And I think that's, that's what I was meant to do is tell my story and help right. other people tell their stories. I love that. I mean, empathy is obviously so important and being able to have such a great impact on people's lives with what you're doing. Like you get to you get to do this incredible job, but you have purpose with it and you're helping people like that seems to be the ultimate goal when when you're kind of trying to find what you want to do in life. And you can just feel it like hearing you talk about it. You have such a great um, it feels like just you're so happy and, and and really enjoy what you do. And it's remarkable to see that. And your story is, you know, something that uh, we could talk about for so long and we encourage everyone to read your book, but if you could give some advice before we let you go, um, to people about maybe your story, what would it be that you would want people to kind of make sure that they walk away from knowing about you? We all want to, we, we crave being courageous. We want to be brave for ourselves and others. We want to stand up for ourselves and other people. When we see somebody being hurt or some wrong happening in the world, we want to stand up. And I believe that courage and bravery is like a muscle. The more you use it, the better and stronger you become. So I would ask every single person that's watching this right now to commit a random act of bravery every day, meaning every single day, find one small thing that you wouldn't normally do that takes you out of your comfort zone, that, that puts you a little bit you know, in an uncomfortable place. But every single time you do that, every time you stand up for yourself or others, the first person to raise your hand in a meeting to pitch a story or sit by the kid at lunch that nobody wants to sit next to, when everybody does something small and brave every day, and then the next day you do it again, and then again and again and again, when the time calls for it, and time will call for it, when the time calls for it for you to be brave, when there's a catastrophe, when there's something, when there's a trauma for yourself or someone else, you'll be there, you'll be ready, and you will be the warrior that you know you are inside. Be brave every day. But, wow. Okay. I'm ready to run through a wall with that. <laughs> Great <laughs> advice. I'm thinking that like, okay, where can I go like do this now? Uh, Lisa, thank you so much for giving us your time here today and for telling us your story. Really appreciate you uh, just really opening up to us. Thanks for having me, Julie. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening to Off Air for Bet Rivers. I'm Julie Stewart-Banks. Make sure to like, subscribe, and send us a review of the show on YouTube. Make sure it's nice, please. Or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll see you next time when the red light is off. Thanks for listening to Off Air with Julie Stewart-Banks on the Bet Rivers Network.